Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see each of you here this morning. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. This is the Lord's place. I'm glad that we get to congregate here and meet with Him. Uh, we had a great service last night, the Crossroad Recovery Ministry. Tremendous. We had 30 in attendance. Had a great meal. My goodness, it was good. And uh, that was at 6, and then 7 we had a great service. And I want to just say, if uh, we want to invite you to be there. You're invited to be there, especially if you're in a recovery part of your life. You sure ought to come and be with us when you can. 6 o'clock meal, 7 o'clock service. If you know someone, if you know someone that needs to be a part of the Crossroads Recovery Ministry, invite them to come on Saturday night and be with us in the service. We had a great time. Uh, one other thing I need to announce is uh, life groups begin tonight. We meet here in the fellowship hall. Here in the fellowship hall tonight, and then we'll begin our life groups. If you don't know anything about it, just come on, be here, and we'll explain everything to you this evening. But come out tonight and be a part of the life groups. We'd love to have everyone, everyone here. There's not been any special invitation get sent out in particular to anyone in particular it's just for everybody. We just want you to come. We come and get, get, get to be a part of it tonight. First Kings, turn with me, First Kings chapter 2. First Kings chapter 2. We're going to look at the life and the lessons of David's life. David is in his last days. He's passing, and actually the Bible is passing from the life of David to now the life of Solomon, his son. It's going to be a different generation. Start here in chapter 2. And uh, D- David gives to Solomon some instruction. And uh, we, we know that David had some great experiences because the Bible recorded those experiences in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And there's some great life lessons from David that we can learn. Truly a remarkable life. Truly a remarkable life. Uh, king David, who the, the shepherd boy that became the king. Now follow me as I read the first 11 verses. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth and all their heart and with all their soul. There shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab the son of Zeruah did to me and what he did to the two captains of the host of Israel, unto Abner the son of Ner, unto Amasa the son of Jeter, whom he slew and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle, 
that was about his loins and in his shoes that were on his feet. Verse 6, Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his hoary head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness unto the sons of Bezaliah, the Gideite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled before Absalom your brother. And behold, thou hast with thee Shimei the son of Gera, a Benjamite of Hammeron, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the days when I went to Mahayan. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I, I will not put thee to death with the sword. Now therefore, hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man, and knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. But his hoary head bring down, thou down to the grave with blood. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were forty years, seven years reigned in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Now, we're going to look here at the close of the life of David. As I said, truly a remarkable person, a real person, a remarkable person that was the shepherd boy that we know about, was the psalmist that we've read about, who became the king of Israel that God established and made a promise to that the seed of David would be the savior of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ came from the loins of David. On down through the generation after generation, he was born of Mary, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God made that promise, an unconditional promise, that David would be the great, 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 great grandfather of the Savior of the world. He is Mary's uh, ancestor. Of course, God is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, David breaks on the scene from that shepherd boy background where he learned how to be a, a, a person of war. Uh, he breaks on the scene, and, and remember, he killed Goliath. Uh, that was threatening the armies of Israel. And he became a hero from that day on. And then he was a fighter in the army of Saul and became commander of Saul's army. And then he was betrayed by Saul, and he was in exile uh, being separated from Saul and his family. He went through that. And then finally he, he is made king when God took Saul out of the way. David did not lay his hand on God's anointed. But when God took Saul out of the way, David rose to be king of Israel. You know, the Bible teaches us that we need to be respecter of those in authority. Sometimes that's difficult Sometimes that's difficult when we don't have any personal respect for the individual, but we have to respect the office, right? We have to respect the position, and that's taught us in Scripture. And so David became king, and he was, he was a builder. He was a builder of the kingdom. And uh, then, then what happened? He ran into problem. He ran into problem. It caught up with him. Uh, he, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And as you study the life of David, that sin in his married life created a problem that never left and got worse, and he had to deal with, and he had to handle 
the rest of his life. There are things that we can do that can cause us a lot of misery. And so David is going to give Solomon instruction, and a key part of instruction, on how to avoid getting himself in the mess. And guess what Solomon does? How do we know Solomon? What do we know about Solomon, by the way? What do we know about, what, what's the most, what stands out in your mind about Solomon? He was what? Wise. Wise, the wisest man in all the earth. Well, I hate to tell you, but that wisdom he did not always apply, did he? Yeah. He had 700 mother-in-laws. That wasn't very wise, right? I had one, and I had a good one, thank the Lord. But, oh, boy, you got to watch the mother-in-law jokes. Hey, I got myself messed up. Hey, Solomon, he's known for his wisdom, but guess what? David, that man after God's own heart, right, gives us an example of failure. Guess what every human does gives us an example of failure, right? Because we all fail. If you have failed, if you've made a mess of your life, join the crowd. Join the crowd of the redeemed by giving your life to Christ and trusting the Lord as your Savior and let Jesus have the wheel, amen? And he can guide your life to where it needs to be. And, and so if you, have, if you have fallen, if you've made a mess, hey, there's room at the cross for you, amen? There's room at the cross for you. So, but, you know, we, we mark that trouble there in David's life as, as we can make our life worse, can't we? We can make it more difficult. And his life is like our life. That's, that's the thing that I learned as I studied through this time. His life was, is like our life. And it's not all lived up on the mountain. It's not all making right choices. We make the wrong choices. The difference between people that succeed and those that fail, and we know how to recover those that succeed learn how to recover. And the, and the succeeding is not everything we thought it would be. They're still in our heart and our mind, those failures of our life. Well, David, we watch him in the text as he grew old, and we could see there how he felt it. And you know what? You don't know anything about growing old until you get to be my age, and you start to learn a little bit about it. And you need to go over here and talk to to Brother Jim over here if you want to know more than I know about it. Because, hey, I will tell you this. Only, only the brave survive to be old. You better be brave. You feel it emotionally. You feel it physically, right? And you can get discouraged and down and don't take anything to do it. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> don't take anything. I mean, what's wrong? I don't really know. I just know it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, boy, it's crazy. Uh, but Job said this in Job chapter 14, verse 1. He said, man that is born of a woman is of a few days. And what else? Full of trouble. Full of trouble. And that's what happens. That's why people try to escape. That's why people try all kinds of, of things that they should not try. They try to escape the boredom and, and the, 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 just the terribleness that we have to go through in life. And folks, you got to go through it. You just stick in there, stay in there, and let the Lord, let the Lord be the one to judge. You know, we live in a time when people, people choose suicide more than ever before, don't they? And look around at all the things that we have. We have all this, and we have, but they mean nothing to us. Really, in reality, they mean nothing. You need a walk with God, a relationship with God that can sustain you. 
David is a man after God's own heart, but he was also a man of passion, of sinful passion, just as we are. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that Elijah was a man of like passions, that just like we are. Hey, you know, we got this ideal of Bible characters uh, that, that they're just so much better than we are. But the reality, there are men and women just like we are. That's, that's the truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us fall in that same category. Now, all through the study of him, I've been a bit discouraged. I've seen his missteps. I've seen his sin, and it really has discouraged. He's my hero in the Bible. David is. But you know, in the end, when I got to praying about it, I got encouraged by it. Because I am a man that have made many missteps, many sin. And our life is like his life. Amen? And he encourages us as we look at his testimony. I'm talking about David that he went through multitude of sorrows and sin, yet he died believing and trusting, and God carried on his life afterwards. Now, first thing we want to get from the text is the, the instruction he gave to Solomon. I believe these instructions were based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but they were learned through David's life. You know... I hate to tell you young people this, but when people get old, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about old people. When people get old, you can learn from them. You need to listen to them. You need to learn. And uh, the old foe, he don't know anything. Yeah. You know, I, I re- recall my dad somewhere, somewhere between 14 and about 29, guy got an education somehow. Now, I don't know what happened. He, I didn't see that he went to a university anywhere, but that guy was the stupidest guy I knew when I was 16. But when I'm 30 years old, he seems brilliant. You know what I'm talking about? We can learn from those that have been on the journey before us. Now, what does he say to Solomon? Now, I believe this is important in the day that we live in. It's in verse 2. He says, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore and show thyself a man. Solomon, be a man. I tell you what, we, I, I, there's a book, a guy's written a book, and I keep seeing it advertised, uh, and, and I forget, I forgot the title, but the thesis of the book is that people don't want to grow up. People want to be youth all their life. They don't want to grow up and be responsible. And you know what? As I look back, it seems to be a reality that people don't want to grow up. You know, what is the new 40 or the new 60 and all this junk? Well, that's a bunch of baloney. I mean, you're what you are and you're there, all right? Whatever it is, that's who you are. But Solomon is being challenged by David to be a man. Now, he's not saying be a tough guy, be a bad dude. He's not saying that. He's saying be responsible. And he is saying if you're going to be responsible, if you're going to be a man, you better be strong. The tendency, listen, when we go off on the deep end and when we go try our experimental uh, things out there in sin in our life, it's because we're not being a man, men. I got something for the ladies before I get done, all right? But 
The men need some instruction, right? The women all said amen. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If you want to be a man, you want to be a strong man, you need something outside of yourself because you have it within you to be a failure. I have it within me to be a failure. I need the strength that God can give me to be the man that I need to be. And I'll tell you what, there comes a day of temptation. There is always a day of temptation. There's a day of trial. There's a day. Hey, if it hadn't come to you in a while, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. There's coming a day of temptation, and you better be ready. You better be prepared. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Because you've got to be a man on that day and do the right thing rather than what you want to do. Rather than what you want to do. You've got to do the right thing. And you know, we find all kinds of justifications to do what we want to do and what we feel is right. We all do this. It's just not you. You're not the only freak here. We're all freaks. We can justify ourselves. Oh, yeah, she did that, so I'm going to do this, or he did that, so I'm going to do this. Yeah, we can justify that. And you say, preacher, you preaching? Yes, I am preaching to every one of us. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be easy on us. I'm just saying, men and women, you've got to be a man, you've got to be a woman. Now, it's easy being a man on the good days. It's easy when no, nothing's confronting us. But there's a day of testing coming. Oh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it said, Quit you like men. Be men. Be strong. Be prepared for life. The world around us, the world around us, listen, I want to talk to men. The world around us want to create a world of unisex. They've used equality to cause us where there's no difference. They, they want it to be no difference between men and You know, have you followed the woke? craziness about uh, sexuality? Don't. It's nuts. They're freaks. But, but the devil is behind it all. Does he do it all? He doesn't have to do it all. He's the spirit behind it all. But there is a movement to make us all the same. And i got news for you. Hey, there's a difference between a man and a woman. Thank God. Amen. Yeah. But women are powerful. Women are a powerful creature by being a woman. Be a woman. Don't try to be a man. You know, I watch these things on, on uh, Netflix, and, and they got a little old short girl about this tall, and she's got a sword in her hand, and she fights over five big old giant gorilla men and kills every one of them. What? Now, I know what they're trying to create, but I think people kind of take that and say, well, women can do anything. I got news for you. Men can't do anything. Can I give you a piece of information that may be clogged in the stream? Men cannot have babies. My grandfather just resurrects out of the grave said, stupid, why are you talking about that? Everybody knows that. Did you know that everybody don't know that? Or at least they don't want to admit to that. That's more like the truth. 
But women are women, and men are men, and God created us, male and female. It's God's design. And if you have trouble figuring out, if you have trouble figuring out whether you are a male or a female, i got two pieces of advice for you. Number one, realize the problem is not in your physical body. The problem is in your mind. Second thing I want you to do, I want you to go into your bathroom, lock your door, strip all your clothes off, and look down. And then you'll know, unless you're too fat, whether you are a man or a woman. Can somebody say amen with me? I'm sorry, people just confused. The devil has them confused. We should not fall along with the confusion. We should not. But the world, listen, the world, the world tries to neuter the men in this world. You know, I just found out this morning we was talking, and they got a new uh, a marine uh, uh, instruction on. You know, they only have to do ten push-ups. They only have to do. You know why they only have to do p- ten push-ups so that the men and women can all be alike. I got news for you: men can do more push-ups than a woman, and women don't do real push-ups anyway. <laughs> Let you women take it up with me after the service today. Boy. Anybody, any men want to come stand with me right now? Come on, guys, come up and stand behind me. No, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare do that. Sometimes your preacher has to stand alone, take the heat. <laughs> oh, but listen, the world, the devil's behind it, trying to castrate the men of our world. And I'm saying that figuratively, although they're doing it to the little boys, physically. Shame on them. The toxic male, the alpha man, those descriptions. You know what this world, this world ain't used to dealing with men. Men be men, the Bible says. Men be men. Hey, that doesn't mean to be a rude man. Doesn't mean to be a domineering man over your wife. Doesn't mean all that. But be a man, be a protector be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Realize God made men to be men and women to be women. All right. Now, you guys, when you go home today, tone it down, okay? I know I've pepped you up and riled you up. Tone it down when you, with your wife, okay? I don't want to. I don't want any calls about preacher. You've stirred this giant up. You got to. Ha- I don't want any phone calls. But men and women are different, and thank God for the difference. Now, ladies, understand. There's a reason why your man has a difficulty speaking on your level. I, 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 I do this with the young men. I don't, I don't do a lot of counseling. I do a lot of talking. young men will call me preacher I don't understand she just can't get it she can't figure out what I'm trying to say it just frustrates the daylights out of me don't raise your hand men if you called no confessions out in public I'll do them behind the curtain but I get that call and, and, and I say to the men every time didn't you want to marry a woman a woman is different from a man 
A woman doesn't talk like a man. A woman doesn't understand like a man. Don't communicate. Don't communicate like a man. And that is true. Men and women do not communicate on the same wavelength. It's not a level thing. It's just it's it's different. And some of you folks have figured it out, haven't you? And the young people need to figure it out. So ladies understand. And men understand. I read a great book years ago about the silver sword and the golden sword. And, and here's the idea. The silver is made of a, a, a stronger material, and the gold is, uh, is, is of a, a less, more uh, moldable, malleable material. And the silver sword is for fighting out in the world, and the golden sword is for dealing with the home. More delicate, more precious, of more value. I wish I could have got the book as well as I read it. But the Bible teaches us men... To be men and women to be women. Be strong in the Lord. In this day and time, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might to be able to do that. So that's point number one. And I know I've wallowed in that one. But I believe that one is definitely in need. The second thing he says, to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's what David tells Solomon. Now over in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 to 9, I'll sign you that to read it when you get home. Isaiah 6, 55, 6 through 9. You can shoot it up on the screen, but I'm not going to deal with it very much. But God's ways are not our ways. And when we become a Christian and when we get right with God, we have our ways that have been trained by our experiences and trained by our vision and trained by what we see and do and who we are. That's our ways. We've got to get the Word of God in our life for the Word of God to teach us the ways of God. And the ways that God wants us to deal with things versus the way we want to deal with them as men and women are two different ways. As Christians, we need to learn to walk in the ways of the Lord and, and deal with life the way of the Lord. And so to do that, we've got to be people of the book, people in the Bible. Let me tell you something. There's enough things in this Bible to cause you to think, ah, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. That's because you don't understand what God understands. But there's so many plain things in the Bible that we need to instill in our hearts that we can learn the ways of God. It starts like when we're a babe in Christ. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 2, that we're to desire the milk of the word that we may grow thereby. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3.18 that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow as Christians. We're not to remain the same. We're to get into the Bible, and we're to grow as Christians. We grow in the milk of the Word, and then we get into the meat of God's Word. So we need to go to the third point, which is the second one, walk in the ways of God. And then verse 3 also, learn the Word of God. He uses all these different ways to describe the Word of God in verse 3. He says, keep the charge of the Lord, keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimony. As it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. He uses all those different terms to explain and now we've got more than the law of Moses, don't we? We have a complete Bible. You and I need to learn the Word. We need to read the Word, study the Word. I'm going to tell you something. 
it was two weeks ago in study that I discovered something in the Bible I never even thought of before. I have been reading the Bible for 50 years. I learned something I never even thought of. It's fresh every day. It's new every day. And all you got to do is like a gold mine. Just dig, dig, dig. Now listen, if you go out here on the side of the highway to expect to find gold, all you'll find is Bullinger County rocks on the side of the road. That's what's laying on the surface. Many people never get beyond the surface of the Word of God. And there's some good things. Rocks are good things when you need one. But you got to dig to find the golden nuggets of God's Word. We need to learn the Word. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 tells us that the Bible is written, the Old Testament in particular, is written for us to learn. For us to learn. If you're going to be a man, if you're going to be a woman, you need to be people of the book, people of the Bible. Hey, verse 3, he just, over and over, he says this, talking about the Word of God. You need a Bible. You need a Bible. You don't skip out. You need to read it every day. You need time in the Word. Time in the Word will be of value to you. I, I've seen this happen over and over again, that an older man and a woman will come to our church, and they're 60 years old, and they come to our church, and, and on January every year, we give out this daily Bible schedule where you read three chapters a day to get the whole Bible read in a year, and you read less than that and get it done in two years. But I've heard it over and over that these men and women, for the first time in their Christian experience, they become daily Bible readers. God's Bible, God's Word is nourishment for us. It's food for the soul. It feeds us. It gives us vision. It gives us light. It gives us understanding. We need to be in the Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. As you read the Bible, you learn to understand it, how it fits together. If you've ever made the statement that the Bible is contradictions, can I tell you what the problem is? You haven't gotten deep enough to understand it. It fits together like a puzzle when you get deeper into it and understand it. The fourth thing, we have to make up our mind we're going to obey God. You've got to make up your mind. This needs to be a one-time decision. I remember, I remember when, when, my dad, when my dad got saved before I was born, he got saved. I've heard the testimony from time to time that he made up his mind he was going to go to church. He didn't say he's going to be a great Christian. didn't say he's going to be super saint. didn't say any of those things. He said, we're going to church, go to church three times a week. You know what our family did at, at, when we was home? We went to church. Unless we was hindered by work or something like that, we went to church three times a week. We were faithful to that. And we need that in our lives today. If we need it back in the 70s and 80s, do we need it now? We need it more now than ever. And so that helps us to follow the Lord and helps us to obey God. You know, many of the blessings that God has for us, it's in the text. I don't want to take you to and bring this out to you. I just want to state it to you and let you research it later. But many of God's blessings are, are unconditional blessings. If you belong to the Lord, many of his blessings are, are just unconditional. They're going to occur in your life whether you're obedient to God or not. Listen to me. The blessing of obedience 
is better than all the other blessings of God. The blessings of obedience are the best blessings. And listen, as a Christian, God has unconditional blessings that he'll give you in life. But the blessing of walking in obedience to God, those blessings are the icing on the cake. And they're the cake too. David started off. Started off right. But he got sidetracked. Now look at verse 4. He said that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me. The continued blessings of God have to do with walking in the Lord and being obedient to God. That, that, that the blessings would continue. We need to stay in power. We need to stick to it stuff. We, it's important for us to obey the Lord. Not about a, not to, to stay saved, but to stay in the blessing spout of God. Walking in the ways of God, walking in the right way. The Bible instructs us, and it's in the book, and we need to follow it. And David said to us, if you want the blessings of obedience, you need to continue in the Word. Jesus said that in John 8, if you'll continue, walking in God's ways. Now, folks, have you read Psalms 1? That's a great chapter. I want to challenge you. Read, if you do your devotions this week, do Psalms 1 one night. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, and I got confused, but I can quote it later. Blessed is the man that walketh in the, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. His delight in the, in the, is in the law of the Lord. Read that. We, that's, that's a key chapter to what we're trying to teach today. Now, David's failure, David's failure is when he when he ceased to be a man that day, when he was not a man that day, and he sent for Bathsheba to come to his home. But listen, David's sin did not remove the unconditional promises of God. God still had those conditional promise, unconditional promises. They were still David's. But Psalms 51, he repented for breaking God's laws. His commandments. Psalms 51, verse 12. He's, I, I, I think I've got it. Let me read it to you. Psalm 51, verse 12. He says this. He said, Cast me not away from thy presence, Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit, thy right spirit. He got right. He was still God's, but he was wrong. He had to repent, and he got right. And he continued from there to walk with the Lord. The blessing of obedience. When he walked away from God, it created all kind of havoc in his life and in his family. And he could not enjoy the blessings of obedience. Think about it. Think about it. Let me tell you another thing we learned from David. What has happened has happened. Can't take it back. You can't. Life only has one, one trip, right? No reruns. Can't refilm it. You got to accept it, and accept the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God. 
the understanding that we all are sinners and we all fail and move on and let God bless us from there. The blessings of obeying God. That's just what I want to make an emphasis on. Then number five as we go to this one. David says, Solomon, take care of business. Take care of business. Hey, I've been a pastor for many years. I know a lot of loving, sweet, wonderful believers that do not take care of business. Now, they got their walk with God right, but they don't take care of responsible issues. They can't balance their checkbook. I, got, I know a lot of good Christian people that have things in their life that are just undone. And that's probably all of us in some way. But we've got to take care of business. That's what he says in verse 5. He said, you got Joab to deal with. I, I, you've got to take care of him, take care of it. David didn't take care of it, so you've got to take care of Solomon. And then, then there's the sons of Brasilia that, that they did me right. You've got to bless, let them eat at your table. And then there's unfinished business with Joab and Simei. He said, let your wisdom guide you. He says, Solomon, if you're going to be king, if you're going to be a winner, you've got to take care of business. I want to challenge us to take care of the things that need to be taken care of, to be, to be responsible. Now, some things, listen, there's a lot of things you've got to pray about. You've got to wait on God for. But there's a lot more things you've got to take care of business every day. Walking with God yourself. Amen? Amen. Bible, going to church, making those right decisions. Take care of business. That's what David says to him. Now, in closing, he says, remember the rewards. It's in verse 3. That God will prosper you. He will bless you if you do these things. Then David's death will be done. David's life is an example of our life. Psalms 90, verse 5 and 6 says that our life grows up like a tender plant. It flourishes, then it's cut off. It's over with. Life peaks out at some age. At some age, life peaks out. And we look at David. We've seen the peak and we've seen the decline. He had to accept it. He had to move on. Had to move on. But here's the thing. He said in verse 1, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should D-I-E, die. If Jesus doesn't come in the clouds, every one of us have one thing in common. We're going to die. Have you thought about that lately? You're going you're gonna to die. One of these days, you're not going to escape that narrow accident. One of these days, if it's not a narrow accident, it's just going to be death because of age. We're going to die. The only way to be saved is through the grace of God. Through the death of Christ on the cross. There has to be a time of responsibility on our part that we come to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. You don't just kind of narrow up and mosey up and become the friend of God. There's got to be a time that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. David was a blessed man. He wasn't blessed because of obedience. He was blessed because he was a believer. I want to challenge you to give your life to Christ, to come to him today. The Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die after this, 
the judgment. Are you prepared for that? Have you ever been to Calvary? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I want us to stand as our musicians come to play for us. I will give you an opportunity to come. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our musicians will play for us, just as I am, if you don't mind. Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you come to Jesus? Meet him here at this altar today. Would you come? I'll pray with you. I'll not embarrass you or anything like that. I'll give you an opportunity to come. Would you come? Any other decision that you'd like to make today, we welcome you to do that here on an altar. Maybe you come to unite with the church. Maybe the follow of the Lord and believer's baptism. We encourage you to follow the Lord in baptism. So step up obedience. Anyone?